Talking about grilled cheeses. I have with me returning C. Kerouac. Hi, everybody. Joining us for the first time um, uh, is Chris Colfer's Kingdom and Invisible Raven. Hello. All right. So uh, let's just jump in and, and then talk about, um, you know, Glee's stab at religion and um, grilled cheeses and Finn praying to a. a <laughs> Sandwich. Yep. I mean, it's it's hard to even say the episode description without chuckling. And on the other hand, I personally think that it's the best written episode that Glee ever did. I, I think, agree. I think that it's the tightest written episode. I think that it shows the power of sticking to one storyline instead of the eight that they would do later on as the seasons go by. Yeah. yeah. I also think that it really... Uh, gave us a glimpse to, like, everybody's point of view on one thing instead yes. of, like, just, like, spreading it out uh, like they tended to do towards the end of the series. It wasn't two people having a storyline and then two other yeah. people having a storyline and then, oh, here are these background characters and we'll see them for three seconds, but don't worry about them. They'll be gone by the time the commercial finishes. Yeah. So we had this one with everybody having opinions and reactions. Well, most most everybody, those who were considered the main characters at the time, having opinions and reactions to this one central issue. And yet we have to describe the episode as thin praise to grilled cheese. <laughs> That's not even grilled and, cheese. And if nothing encapsulates Glee better, I, I, could, I couldn't name it. It's, it's wonderful. I agree, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to pause just for a second. There's Somebody has a little bit of a squeaky noise in the background. I don't Uh-oh, know. That might be me. Hold on. I'm going to see if it'll fix. Okay. Okay. Is that better? Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. It's all good. Sorry about okay. that. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, and it's, I think it does work in that um, everybody is kind of focused on this one 
kind of overall story theme. I mean, a lot of times they'll have themes of the episode, but then it'll break off into these splintered um, storylines that don't really connect other than the theme. So it is interesting to get an episode where it's everybody is in on this one thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> so, I agree. So, yeah, we start off with... Um, Kurt and, and Bert in the tire shop, which, before I go too much further, I should say, when I was doing the recap of this one, um, he's in 90% of this episode. I mean, this is a probably the biggest Kurt episode screen time-wise. Yeah. It is, it is the Kurt episode. Yep. Yeah. If yeah. it wasn't the one that he earned the Golden Globe for, it probably was a big contributing factor as well, because his Chris Colfer's acting in this episode is just, like, Amazing. It brought me to tears. Yeah, that's why, like, this is the episode that is the, this is the most important episode of any TV show ever to me, um, because, like, I don't know, I'm going to take my spiel right now, like, when I started this episode, um, I have, like, I was a huge homophobe, and I just had this view of how things were, and I, you know, was very, very religious, and like, I didn't ever think any much of it, and then after this episode, like, I, I remember talking to my grandparents and being like, well, they're talking about religion, I don't know how I feel about this, and, like, it's really kind of making me think, and, like, after this episode, like, like that was really the turning point of my life, and I wouldn't be who I am today without that episode. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, like, it really, like, changed me for the better. It's crazy, like, I still like, get chills every time I think of, like, how I was when I started this episode for the first time compared to how I was when I finished it. And I think that sort of reaction really speaks to the power of television and the power of representation on television because if you hadn't seen a story like that presented in the way in which it was presented, where where would you be now? Exactly, yeah. it's, it's, It's powerful, and I think that people are starting to to get those kind of ideas that, you know, it's important to have different issues on television, it's important to have different people on television, it's important to have different points of view, but this episode really speaks to that, and stories like that are why. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it doesn't have to be as, like, dramatic as mine, but, like, it still, like, makes people think, like, okay, so there's more to a topic than just how I choose to see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and for me personally, um, I was raised in an atheist household, and um, I grew up in a very small town, and um, to see a character for me on there who kind of, you know, really uh, is an atheist, and, um, you know, as a teen, <coughs> understands that, you know, your beliefs are sometimes different, that to me meant a lot to me. I didn't, you know, I'm older so I didn't have Kurt Hummel when I was younger, but, um, yeah, this episode spoke to me in a different respect, but it, it it's kind of amazing that the show can reach out to people like that. Yeah, and, I agree. Well, I think in another direction, you know, I was uh, raised evangelical Christian back in the day and grew up in a very small town, and, um, again, I'm older, so this wasn't... Um, at a time when I was in high school and looking at that, but stories like that for kids who are coming from that kind of background, you see a character like Kurt and you hear statements like, you know, this is sacred, this is our ritual, and it's not pertaining to something in church. And you can go, oh, well, 
different things matter to different people and it doesn't make it any less valid. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and again, it's presenting different points of view. It's presenting different ways of looking at the world and, and Glee doing actually a surprisingly good job of showing all of those opinions as valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think one interesting thing um, about this is not necessarily that it says uh, one way or the other, you should believe this or you should believe that, but it presents, here are the, you know, ideas that are being presented, you know, you take your own conclusions mm-hmm. from that. Yeah, that that's how I was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I saw it like when I did the rewatch a couple days ago. I was watching and I was like, "There's nothing in this episode that would sway a person. One, it's not for one thing or it's not for another." And so that I thought how was interesting that I took so much from it, um, and that anybody will take so much from it because of uh, how it does that. It was one of the things that I really liked about it is that nobody has, for lack of a better term, nobody has the come to Jesus moment. Nobody yeah. has the, I was wrong, you were right, I'm going to mm-hmm. totally change my worldview. It's a, everybody gets to the point where they can say, you know, that's not what I believe, but it's valid, and I appreciate what you're trying to do to help me in your own way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whether think... it's, you know, them praying for Kurt's father, or uh, Kurt going with Mercedes to church, or... Um, Emma at the end talking to Finn, they're all having these moments of not saying, you know, this is what you should believe, but I see what you believe and I get it. Mm-hmm. Bethany, you said you started to say something there? Uh, well, I think the episode would have been weaker for it if they had suddenly made Kurt like, oh, yes, praise Jeebus or anything like that. And I 100%. like that they, I think they, they did a really good job also showing Finn going from I'm really into religion to I'm not sure what I believe, and I think I, I really respect it more for doing that, showing yeah. how people's beliefs can change, even if it is in a very short amount of time, and yeah. they're not treating him any differently for, like, hey, beliefs can change, because I know my beliefs changed a lot when I was mm-hmm. a teenager, and mm-hmm. it's perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. He did, yeah, a, he I did believe- a wonderful swing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe if it had taken that turn, like, you know, Kurt having a come-to-Jesus moment or anything like that, it would have something that is uniquely Glee and something that pretty much only Glee could pull off in that type of way to a cliche high school show type. And it, it wouldn't... Oh, are you still there? Hello? 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 Hi, you still there? <laughs> okay. It cut out for back? some reason. Okay, I was like what and here's what you missed on Glee <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened there. It's that's what editing is for <laughs> yes and again all of these wonderful revelations came about from an episode where we are praying to a magical grilled cheese sandwich that he eats at the end that he oh does God. and I don't understand it <laughs> mostly because that sandwich is like two weeks old by this point <laughs> Yeah, I love the behind-the-scenes making of the grilled cheeses, the little, little t- the, the stencil thing that they did. Have you guys seen that? No, I, I want to see yeah, the I don't. I, I can't <laughs> find it. I mean, how much fun uh, would the prop department have yeah, with something like that? We need to make this and look. Over these pieces of bread. Oh, and, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. 
it was oh. I just I'm like that's so such a glee thing. <laughs> but, yeah. Go check that one out. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into the the plot here. We'll start off with the first scene um, in the garage with Kurt and Bert, and um, you know Kurt's been going through um, kind of kind of an angry teenagery time in the first couple episodes of this season, and uh, he's being you know very teenagery here too. And you know it's interesting. I think Bert kind of is coming from out of the first season. Bert is like you know let's you know take these Friday night dinners, you know, we need to make sure that we connect or we don't have anything at all. And, you know, Kurt being typical Kurt and, and, you know, like, yeah, okay, we'll do that later. I mean, I love to talk about the importance of ritual and the importance of keeping certain things sacred. Um, And I mean, especially, you know, as you, as you get older and I think that, you know, quite often the relationship between Bert and Kurt is so close, especially on later seasons that you kind of lose the, well, they're at, it's an, it's a father and a son, an adult and a teenager. And they're in two totally different points in their life. And you have somebody like Bert who has gone through life and has known such loss and having the statement of, you know, these, these rituals are important. The things that we do, together are what bind us together. And I think that that's a theme running throughout the episode. And I love that it's stated very point blankly. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering, like, Mm -hmm. I know there's a theory out there that Kurt was named from the character from Sound Music. So I'm just wondering if maybe going to sing along Sound Music was something he used to do with his mom, and that's why it's so important to him as well. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. That would be sweet. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah, I I like yeah. that Bert brings up the bonnet and Kurt's just like okay I, I can just see Bert like making fun of him every year for having to buy him a bonnet when he was like five. I'm betting that was an embarrassing baby picture that Blaine got shown at <laughs> yeah. least once. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. Yes, I accept that. Yeah, I was thinking when I was watching this how different the episode would be if it hadn't been a fight between them about uh, going to this or not going to this and how um, Kurt how different Kurt would have approached the situation if he and her father had been on like decent terms, like without him ending. And I'm just, I'm disappointed in you about this. So, but I feel like it wouldn't be as important an episode. Yeah. (laughs) That's why it hurts. That is really the most gutting thing that a parent can say. I am so disappointed in you. Mm -hmm. Like not anger, just disappointed. And I can hear that in my mother's voice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I like um, how Bert is kind of, you know, incorporating Carol and Finn into the sacred tradition that was obviously started with, you know, Kurt's mom in mind, or um, she was there originally, and, and he's kind of whole, grasping onto this whole idea of a family, and um, and Kurt says, you know, um, I know how important these dinners are to you and Carol, and as if he's, like, missing the point that, you know, it's not about, you know, Bert and Carol and their relationship, but more, again, as we were talking about, this idea of family. Yeah, I read something once where um, it was kind of this headcanon of uh, Bert kind of didn't allow the word step when they were talking about being brothers, how, like, it was just not ever a thing, like, they were brothers and that was it, uh, which kind of explains, like, a lot of, the, like, the bond between them in the later seasons, and I think that we kind of get a glimpse into that here um, with him talking about including as a family thing with, with Finn and Carol. 
Cool. Well, and Kurt's just right here being a typical sullen teenager. You know, he's yeah. having a he's having a grumpy moment, and he's saying things that he doesn't really believe, and we all do that. And I think that he's ha- having later on. He'll have this moment of, well, what if that was the last time I talked to my dad? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? How? How could that possibly be the last conversation? And I was an asshole. Um, And so that's not something that goes through your head um, quite often most of the time that any of us talk and say things that are the first thing that pop into our head. Um, And he's having this moment of, well, this is going to, this could have been the last conversation I had. And I was grumpy that he wanted to have dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and especially to a teenager, you don't really think... I mean, even Kurt, with having the loss of his mom, you still don't really think of mortality. Um, And, you know, it's just like, okay, whatever, I'll see my dad later. And then it doesn't... Even though, you know, Kurt at the beginning of the scene is making sure his dad's eating healthy, because he probably knows his dad doesn't eat very well, and it's probably something that Kurt, after his mom passed away, is used to doing, um, helping his dad, you know, try and stay... You know, healthy and Kurt whatnot. also likes to control things, and I think that that, that yes. is part of his controlling things, and he's controlling the family, and he's controlling Bert, and he's controlling what people eat, and if everything is under his control, then everything's fine. And I don't understand why, why yeah, Bert is Yeah, nothing can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really sad position for a 16, 17-year-old boy to feel like he has to put himself in, that he has to look after his father and make sure he tells He's oh, yeah. probably been in that position for half of his life, at least. Yeah, makes you really I, feel for him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it is also a personality trait oh, with yeah, Kurt, definitely. though. I mean, even yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> He's extremely like I have to have everything in control, otherwise the world will yeah. collapse. Oh, sure. <laughs> He's he's the type of person who would never cede cede control of the grocery list. Or mm. makes charts for, like, well, this is when everything needs to be cleaned, and I don't understand why you didn't see that pile of clothes. I mean, it's right there. Yep. Yeah. Or this lamp has to be right in that place, or else I'm going to freak out on you. Exactly. And it should be exactly this color, because that's the color that I decided after going through 14 different shades of burgundy. <laughs> you picked the wrong one. You picked maroon. I was going for oxblood. <laughs> <laughs> we need more fix like that. That would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> Oh, man. And, you know, bless Bert and Blaine and anybody. I mean, they, they kind of, like, Bert knows. He knows his kid. He's like, okay, you know. It's one of those that you just kind of lovingly roll your eyes. It's like, it's it's just Kurt. This is how he shows his love. Mm-hmm. That did I humble eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> They're both really good at that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so- we get into the choir room when uh, Finn, I, I love this moment when he's like, you know, I've accepted a man There's in a my life. a new man in my life. <laughs> I just, I just want to know what's going through Kurt's head at that exact moment. He is pissed <laughs> off, man. And I'm like, I don't know if it's any better or worse that it's Jesus. I mean, <laughs> like, that's one of those moments where I wish, like, Glee would, like, have, like, a whole lot of voiceovers going on at one time. I want to know what everybody thought That's of that That's the point when they phrase. need everybody's internal monologue. But my yes. favorite, favorite part of the reactions is Rachel's face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rachel has the single best gifable reaction yes. of all of them. <laughs> this look of utter, are you kidding me? Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, oh Finn. <laughs> but, yep, and, and so... 
yeah, here we get into the discussion of, um, you know, bringing, you know, religion, bringing it into school, discussing it, thinking about it, you know, where are their lines, where are their not lines, that kind of thing. Hmm. I mean, as much as I want to say that Will is a terrible teacher because in so, so many instances, he is a terrible teacher. Oh, gosh, yeah. He's not wrong with letting them sing these songs, and mm-hmm. Sue later on is on is on the wrong side of saying that he's not allowed to do that. He's not leading them in prayer. Um, so if if they want to sing about Jesus, as long as he's not the one who's saying, "Okay, everybody, now we're gonna sing," you know, "Oh Holy," you know, uh, <laughs> spiritual songs, uh, and then we're gonna pray, you know. They can do what they want, and I. I also love Pucks. I'm going to continue my uh, my act of only singing Jewish songwriters, um, which I just loved. Well, <laughs> well and it. Oh, go ahead. Um, like after the whole push it incident, didn't Figgins give them a list of songs they could sing, and a lot of them were religious and oh, yeah. theme anyway? Like I find that really oh, that's hilarious. True. Oh yeah. But now we're oh, yeah. back to like, no, you cannot. Well, Figgins doesn't really say yes or no in one way, but I find that really ironic that this kind of come back on us. Higgins mm. never really takes a stand on it. He's more just kind of sitting there going, well... Did he take a stand on anything? No. <laughs> Not really. I don't know. Well, he's, like maybe he, the, Tina one. is a vampire. He's got a stance on he that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he really, he takes a stand on the important issues. Student <laughs> vampirism. But not religion. Not religion, because no. when does that ever come up as a controversial topic? Vampirism. Well, that, that's what we need to discuss. And I mean, I don't. I don't think this is at all Will's worst episode or anything. Oh God, um, no. <laughs> I, I do think though that, like, you know, in a discussion about spirituality, you know, it, it's not. It started becoming, oh, I want to sing about God, and then when Kurt kind of states his opinion, he's kind of, you know, like. I mean, his quote is a little bit, I'll, I have his quote right here, it's like, sorry, if I wanted to sing about Jesus, I'd go to church, and the reason I don't go to church is because most churches don't think much of gay people. Or, or women, women, or science. <laughs> and, um, which, I mean, which and, is such a wonderfully oh, curt quote. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like, you know, I feel like this is a good opportunity to talk to young people about spirituality, and instead... Will just doesn't seem to know what he to do with the conversation. He just kind of lets it run a course. He doesn't know how to control his classroom. I mean, bless him, but he doesn't. Um, and I was also, there was a part in the meta that you wrote that was talking about Artie's reaction that I had never yeah. paid, I had, I had never paid attention to it until um, you had written that. And I went back and watched and was like, yes, he is nodding along. He is obviously he is, agreeing. But, uh, I can't credit myself with that. I, I will credit Lima Heights adjacent, um, the the group of people that were on that podcast. They were doing like a top ten Glee episodes, and they voted this one. And somebody brought that up that they had watched Artie through the episode, and then I watched, and I was like, oh yeah, Artie doesn't really have lines in this, but he's kind of silently agreeing with Kurt a lot of it, with, in a lot of which it. makes me wish that we had had a scene of Artie and Kurt together, and. I know that they were going for Kurt is alone in the world and Kurt has nobody that he feels is on his side and mm-hmm. having Artie say, yeah, I totally get what you're saying and I'm, I'm right there with you, I agree with you, would have ruined that. But in my real world, love to see 
um, students actually talking, I would have loved to have seen that scene. Yeah, that's the story of my life. I could, there's never enough Kurt and Artie scenes. There are. That is like the most underrated friendship in, oh, I just, I love it. Especially, I, I would go on forever, I'm just going to stop myself there. <laughs> no, I mean, like, we can talk forever about, I mean, this is, I'm not going to go way off topic of saying this, but just that scene in Tested when the yes. boys are all around. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of the best scenes in Glee. That uh, that is one of that is one of the funniest, mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. scenes, and it was the exact one that I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Kurt's atheism here. Um, you know, in this episode, he's he is angry a lot. Um, and he does mention, you know, later on, like, why would a god, you know, make me gay and then have everybody hate me? But I I do. I mean, he mentions Russell's teapot later. Mm-hmm. I do think that his atheism stems out of, um, you know, learning it and researching and coming to the conclusion this is the best idea for him. And it is different than, say, like, uh, Sue's anger um, at religion. Oh, yeah. So. And I think that a lot of um, his prickliness isn't his, you know, I'm angry about this and my beliefs are a reaction to this. It's I might lose my dad. Why are you guys all piling up on me? I feel very, um, I feel very closed off. And so I'm going to set up my shield and nobody is getting into this. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. A, it's a very Kirk reaction. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, Puck decides to sing his song, only the good die young. And, um, everybody loves it except for Kurt who goes and sits and plays on, you, you know, his phone. Probably watching cat videos. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. He, it's so funny because he looks like he's texting, and I'm like, everybody he knows is in that yeah. room. Like, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the lunch ladies. Oh. <laughs> okay, so then he, um, like, uh, unfortunately, Bert has his heart attack at the, the shop. And um, Kurt is, meanwhile, in French class um, talking to, was it Zemio he's talking to, and mm-hmm. basically insulting him in French. Kind of amusing. So Kurt. Um, yeah, and then we get that shot of Emma running down the hallway, oh. and and I like I love the moment <laughs> that he turns, that he's like, you know, she's like Kurt, you know, and he turns and he's just like this kind of graceful, like put together, like you know, I'm better than everybody. What could you possibly want? Mm-hmm. Like hello, you know, and then it and it cuts then, you know, from that, you know, that to him being in the hospital, Emma and Will in the background, and he's just kind of. That whole scene from her starting to run to Kurt turning breaks my heart every single time. Yeah. And I, lo- I love how, like, the talking and everything's very, very muted. Like, everything's very downplayed. It's kind of like, almost, I won't say like a drum roll, but it's kind of building and building. Mm-hmm. You know, something is happening. Something is not good. Like, mm-hmm. brace yourselves. Yeah. Kind of it was a, It was a beautifully crafted scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're in the hospital, and, and it's interesting, you know, I understand Will and Emma being there, I mean, they were the ones with him when they find out, and, but the fact that Kurt doesn't seem to have any other relatives, um, or, I mean, they didn't even call Carol, um, and it starts off this, you know, whole, this whole, um, theme of him being on his own, alone, and part of it, I think, 
is just how Kurt is, and he he wants to be that you know alone, but also, but like yeah, where where is the rest of his family? But really emphasizing emphasizing the fact that Bert is his family, and Bert is the only one that he has right now, and just the devastation that he has during the scene when he's talking to the doctor is just so intense. Yeah. Right, but you know, I don't think that we can make the assumption that he has other family members. I mean, both of his parents could have been only children. His grandparents could be could be dead. Uh, or live in another state. Right. I mean, it, it could very easily be that Bert really is his only family, either in total or anywhere nearby. Um, yeah. I think in I, yeah. one episode, they mentioned like an Uncle Andy or something. Maybe the episode where he was trying to teach Bert how to dance for the wedding. Oh, but that's right. We, huh. That could be either... A, a brother of one of his parents or a great uncle or something like that. Yeah, we can't forget Aunt Mildred. <laughs> from whom the half sweater came from, I do believe. Yep. Well, and look at uh, even in Furt at Bert and Carol's wedding, it doesn't look like it's a particularly large wedding. So. Yeah. Uh, and there's nobody except for, you know, the Glee Club standing up there or the and the two boys. But So who knows, really? Yeah, I wish you could say that that was a well-thought-out, we're going to say that, you know, they're the only people in their family, but I really think that was just the writers didn't want to bother with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, with anything, yeah, just put the Glee Clubbers up there. And, you know, and it's also, you know, and this is a, such a very Kurdish thing, but when he goes in and he talks to his dad, and he's kind of just very dismissive of, of Will and Emma, just like, go away, I need to be with my father. So it's a very Kurt. Uh, thing in that he wants to be, you know, this person means the world to him, and so he wants to have this kind of, you know, I'm here, I can fix this, or I can be with him and send my good vibes or whatnot, yeah. and, it, and it doesn't concern you people, so you you guys don't be here. Yeah, That's, and he also has a flair for the dramatic when it comes to, oh, like, <laughs> uh, let me have my moment of, like, make this kind of a little bit more than what it is, like, let me pretend that I'm being, like, I'm alone. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Well, and then, and whenever, you know, whenever Kurt feels vulnerable, he goes into Ice Queen mode. You know, yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's just how he deals with feeling hurt and scared and I'm going to put up my wall and don't even try to break it. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and this scene, um, you know, he, he holds Bert's hand and we do kind of get this theme um, of hand-holding throughout this this whole episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the song, but also, you know, just that idea of who do you reach out to or, you know, I don't know. I, just... I liked the physical contact, especially between a father and a son, because mm-hmm. quite often TV doesn't show that unless the son is very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really liked that there was a physical closeness that we had between them throughout the entire episode that, you know, it's, it's okay to do this and choke. It's choking me up. Just thinking about where the episode is going. <laughs> I love it. But there's always been a physical closeness between Kurt and Bert, like from mm-hmm. this point on more so because you, whenever they like greet each other, there's always like a lot of hugging shows. Like Bert is like when the one person Kurt's okay with not having his walls completely up. He's okay with that physicality and that closeness mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's just that that touch he has to have that kind of because that's the one person he's okay with touching and okay with touching him up mm-hmm. to that point. Right. Um, 
<laughs> All right, so we get into the next choir room scene where um, we open on a shot of Kurt absolutely alone in the choir room. I think it's, you know, a metaphor for something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I can only imagine. I mean, who knows when Glee is during the school day, but, um, I, yeah, it, it is a really powerful moment. It changes. Every year, it's somewhere different. Glee is um, all the time. And and the kids come in, and Tina, it's interesting, Tina comes right in and hugs him, and, and it's not, they aren't particularly close within the series, so it's interesting that she feels like she can go and do that, and he accepts it. Um, it's interesting they didn't have Mercedes do that a little bit, but, but yeah, I don't know. I have to ask who told everyone about Bert's heart attack. Like, yeah. Did, did I can Kurt only... text Mercedes and or someone, and then the word spread because later when oh, Finn comes in, he town, he's like they were in small town. The nurses were probably the parents of students. I mean, that yeah, happened enough. in my in my small town so often that something would happen, and um, it wasn't even somebody at school who started spreading it, and you would hear about it, you know, no more than two hours right. later. Well, and I have to think of the timeline here. It was um, first of all he misses the the sound of music sing along because it was Friday. And, or was it? I Well, the Sound of Music sing-along was going to be that Friday night, and right. he said, in two hours I will be at the Sound of Music, so it was a Friday, so this is presumably the Monday afterwards. Yeah. The Monday afterwards. So yeah, maybe it, it did spread around town. I, I can assume that he texted Mercedes, and maybe Mercedes told everybody, but... But not Finn, because... Not Finn. Yeah, I'm like, how did Finn not... I mean, so nobody told Carol for the whole weekend, Which is strange, because isn't she supposed to be a nurse thus working in the hospital? She is. Total that seems very strange. Good job, Glee. <laughs> Speaking of medical advice, um, Brittany comes in with her. Uh, <laughs> it's the cutest thing. <laughs> and I, I love that. I don't know. I just have a very soft spot for any kind of Brittany Kurt, you know, yes. interaction. Very underrated friendship. Bless her heart. And even even Santana is a little bit softer here. It's, she like I just she doesn't know really how to like. Oh, I'm sorry about your dad. Well, it just she goes from. You know, hedgehog on guard to hedgehog that'll let you pet her. Yep. <laughs> not super soft, Brain but, you metaphor. know, it's not. I'm going to... All right. Finn comes in, and he's, you know, he's obviously upset because he was beginning to see Bert as a father. And it's an interesting dynamic here because at first Kurt is completely, you know, like, you're not, he's not your dad. You know, you don't get to feel bad for him. But then, you know, Finn comes with all of the sincerity of, you know, well, we're starting to bond, and I thought we were family, and Kurt kind of relents just a little bit, and I love, love the moment where he takes the bag off of the chair, and, like, you you were awarded the honor of sitting next to me. And it's followed so closely by the finger wag, but you can't touch me yet. Yep. I love yeah. that. It's, it's very indicative of their relationship at this point. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I, I kind of... Except that, you know, since you're not my white knight, you may be my brother at some point. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, hang on a second. Yeah. Um, and then we have a Mercedes song, I Look to You. Mm, my favorite. Uh, Her voice is a gift. It just, she is really amazing. And, and, and you know, and here's where, where things get complicated, because... To her, she, you know, looks to God. She looks to her religion. She pulls on that for strength. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and um, 
that's you know where it gets muddy because she 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 what she genuinely genuinely wants to give him this you know support in the only way she knows how and you know Kurt is visibly moved by it but at the same time that's when you know it it it, it just Kurt has this feeling towards religion different than her so he's kind of taking all of the, these emotions and, and kind of channeling it through something that he, he can channel it through. If I'm making any sense, I'm kind of yeah. rambling. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that in such a state of, everybody is in a state of heightened emotion. And so you have Mercedes who, if it wasn't such, uh, you know, I'm worried about my friend, it's, it's very scary when something like this happens to a friend, because then you think, well, you know, this could happen to me. And for a lot of them, this is the first time they're experiencing something Mm -hmm. like this. And so she's turning to what she sees as how, how she deals with problems and how her family deals with problems and jumping full force into that. And it's like, well, I can make this better by this. And Kurt in that feeling of heightened emotion is closing off even more than he normally does. And so both of them, he's, he's more insulted by it than I think that he normally be. And she's pushier about it than she normally would be. Yeah, that's true. But I think that's natural in a setting. Oh, of, sure. I mean, these are still teenagers. I mean, they're like, they don't really have the tools that maybe, I mean, even adults will be the same way, but um, it's, it's a completely understandable reaction. And that's one of the things that I really like about this episode where I'm, I see where everybody's going wrong, but it makes sense why they're doing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not one of those things where Glee just like comes with something like completely out of left field and right. doesn't make any sense. Like this episode is like really extremely logical um, mm-hmm. in in pretty much every scene. I mean, like everything makes sense and comes together in a really good way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yeah, this is the also the scene where he. Um, where, because he says he doesn't believe in God, and that's when, you know, Mercedes, she's trying to, you know, because that to her just doesn't make sense. She can't really do that. And then, unfortunately, is this the scene also where Quinn gets defensive about it, too? I think so. Uh, I'm blinking, you know, like, we shouldn't be talking about this. And yeah. that's just another viewpoint where, like, Mercedes can, you know, and then she eventually does, she's, like, accepting of him and his viewpoints, but then we've got a Quinn who's kind of, like, I'm shutting you down. We can't talk like this. Um, you know, that what you're saying is just wrong. And I'm not saying that Quinn is wrong in her thinking. I just think that, you know, she's a young person who holds her faith dearly, and him challenging that is something hard for her. Yeah, especially for Quinn, who, I mean, since the very first episode um, has been, like, the religious... It's been one. part of her identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she gets a set, like, I don't know... Yeah. No. I, I mean, in, in a in a different movie, I would see her, like in the movie Saved, yelling, "I am filled with Christ's love." Oh, Bethany, you were gonna say something. Um, maybe it's just my experience. Like I have completely different experience, but I find okay. I find it very, I guess, unrealistic that out of this group of ten, twelve uh, teenagers, there only really one of them outright identifies as an atheist just from my experience most teenagers don't really have a lot of faith and like it's great that they show like there are some teenagers who are and some teenagers who don't but it seems like the majority of the glee club 
have some sort of spiritual religious belief and I guess I'm just you know, like okay is that typical or it, it doesn't strike me as strange for a small midwestern town yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's why I said yeah. my experience like, kind yeah. of thing Bible Belt and so like we're that's yeah it's more rare to well, find somebody who doesn't believe in something mm-hmm. than it is to find somebody who does yeah, and I, I guess I'll say, you know, I did grow up in a small Midwestern town, um, and I was the only one in my um, in my class, we'll leave it at just as the class, who didn't, you know, and it's not that they believed in Christianity, it's just that that's what they did. They went to church with their parents, and that's, you know... It's, cu- it's cultural religion. You know, this, right. is, this is what my family does, this is what we've always done, this is what my neighbors do, this is what right. I just assumed that everybody else did, because nobody said that they did anything different. And even we had, I had a, a good friend of mine in high school that she was a different branch of, like she, it was kind of a, a smaller branch of Christianity that was a little bit different. They they followed just a different set of rules, I guess you could say. And even she was ostracized a little bit just because she didn't, like she didn't celebrate Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that was like a big deal, you know. So yeah, it, it might be, I mean, again, I was in high school 15 years ago, so I mean, times might have changed since then too yeah but it's interesting that people i mean that's awesome that people are hopefully you know going to high school and and being more accepting that there are all these different religions um i know that glee tries to play you know Jew, the or tries to tie in the jewish card with with rachel and puck and everything um when it's convenient yeah yeah sure. <laughs> that's what i was gonna say but and yeah so um, all right. But that did lead me to one of my favorite Rachel bits uh, later on when she's talking to Finn after Finn has asked Grilled Jesus to touch her boobs, mm-hmm. um, where she's saying, you know, both of my parents, uh, both, of, both of my parents' families were slaves, and I hope that one day my kids can be raised in the religion of my choosing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just love, it's, it's so very Rachel. Oh, and I yeah. love it. There's that, after, and there's the one after I've won all of my Tonys by the age of 25, and uh, I'll save my other Rachel quote for a little bit later. Um, but this is also um, where Kurt says, "You can't prove that there isn't a magic teapot floating around on the dark mm-hmm. side of the moon with a dwarf inside that reads romance novels and shoots lightning out of its boobs." <laughs> but, however, he is referencing um, something called Russell's teapot, yeah. which is that you can't. Um, you know, yeah, shoot, I'm going to get it wrong. But it's about, like, you know, you have to be able to prove something, not disprove yeah. something. All right, so we bring Sue into it a little bit. And Sue wants them to stop, you know, um, uh, doing anything religious at school. Um, but she's very angry. She is upset that her sister was teased so much and that when she prayed, God wasn't there. So she kind of represents this other kind of um, viewpoint that is mad at religion for not working. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I love that they showed that as a valid reaction. Yeah. yeah. That's not what your, I love. Not you're ridiculous for thinking this, but it's presented as... I, I see this as a logical conclusion to the way that you grew up. Yeah. That's what I love the scene. I love the scene with Kurt and Sue because I mean, I love their dynamic. Sue is 100 outrageous with what she does. And Kurt is like, I, I see right through you. I see what you're doing and I see that you're crazy, but I'm going to let you be crazy because I mean, who am I to judge? And I just, I love their dynamic 
I also think that it's that it's not even all who am I to judge. It's I can kind of get what I want out of you. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And both of them feel that I can be useful to you and you can be useful to me. And they both recognize it. And 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 I agree with you. I love their dynamic. Yeah. And they're they're never really even even throughout everything that happens between Sue and Kurt throughout all the seasons. There's like they never really go head to head like she does with other students. Like, like, okay, well, right now, you know, we're okay, And then we just, you know, you're not useful to me. So we don't really have to talk. And then they go about their day. It's not anything like it is with the other students. Right. Exactly. And the most and, and the most she can get out of him is is a Hummel eye roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I really it's kind of fascinating watching the series again with keeping in mind kind of where the Sue and Kurt friendship ends up at the very end of the series because mm-hmm. there are all these little um, moments throughout a live a lot more than I remembered um, where they kind of and you know this is probably the only one where they join forces I guess but. Um, yeah, they're both using each other and well aware that they're using the other one. Mm-hmm. And I think also, like, for Kurt, um, you know, trying to take away this, like, he, he's got all this stress and, and not having to deal with that, like, other stuff just would be ease his mind. And that's another reason why he takes Sue up on her, um, uh, offer. It gives him a distraction and he could really use a distraction by this point. Mm-hmm. So and then it goes in, you know. Uh, I mean, there is that scene with Emma and Sue first, um, where she's like, you know, she's upset because she's like, you know, people are trying to support him, and and she does that. Emma does have a point. I think it's interesting they, but that, that Sue and Emma both have valid points, and there's like, where do you go from, you know, nobody's wrong, nobody's really right, but. You know, these situations are complicated. Again, Glee presenting, you know, questions but not really having answers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I have to uh, kind of side more so with Sue in this part of it just because, like, this boy could lose his father. Like, he could be shipped off to some unknown relative. Like, we have to prepare him, make sure he's okay, make sure he's, like, he's eating and being fed and, like, not going home to an empty house. Like, she was kind of looking at for his well-being and, like, prepare this child. Like, something would happen. This is your job, Emma, to, like, kind of sit down and say, like, do you know if your father has a will? Like, it's a terrible burden to put on, but, like, kind of sit him down and say, like, look, something bad could happen. We have to kind of discuss it. What's going to happen to you after, if that happens? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. is somebody coming to check up on you and making sure you're eating? And like, I never thought about that, yeah. This boy... Essentially, because he is, I'm going. I think he's 17 at this point, but he's still essentially mm-hmm. a child oh, who's yeah. going through potentially the worst yeah. part of his life, and nobody's doing anything to kind of prepare him for if it gets worse or to make sure he's being physically looked after. At this point, they're just kind of all praying for him, which he's mm-hmm. said outright, "I don't want you to do. Please respect my wishes." Right. So. Like, that's just my viewpoint and kind of what I think Sue is saying. But, again, like, Emma does no, provide I, a valid viewpoint saying, like, you know, we're trying to support him in this way. And, like, neither one is right or wrong, but I'm just kind of more so with Sue in that point. I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm in Sue's camp. But I've always been ambivalent about Emma. I mean, she's not 
terrible in some of the overt ways that Will is at some points, and she's not great, and she's just kind of there and has some funny pamphlets, and I don't really give her much thought. Um, but no, I agree. I think that Sue is hands down the one who's focusing on the day-to-day, how do you get from 8 a.m. today, how do you get to 8 a.m. tomorrow? And mm. it she does seem to be like the only one who's talking about that. And I chalk that up to, we only had one line from Carol. And in my mind, Carol went and stayed at the Hummel house with Kurt. Or had, Kurt, or had Kurt come to the Hudson house. Either one. I don't think, I don't think that Kurt would have been as comfortable going to another no, house. Definitely I not. think that no. he would I, want to stay I, in his basement with all of his comfort and mm-hmm. in his cocoon. And I feel like, you know, Finn could handle it on his own for a couple of days, but she would just go and stay upstairs in the house if Kurt needed anything and made sure that he right. did what well, he needed I to bet, do. I bet Kurt spent a lot of time, I mean, first of all, he spent a lot of time at the hospital, I'm sure, but he also spent a lot of time researching, like, mm-hmm. what is what ha- is wrong with my dad? What can I possibly do? Because he later brings in that acupuncture. Yep. Uh, I, I'm sure he's, you know, trying to control the situation the only way he knows how to research and, and find logical solutions to it. Oh. Poor baby. Uh, a lot to ask of a 17-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, we go on, and then we get the next scene where um, basically they are told they can't do religious songs. And this is my second Rachel moment of the, the episode where she's just like, you ripped it away from me. Like I had the perfect spiritual song and you ripped it away from me. It's so like, Rachel. Oh, Rachel, you missed the point completely. <laughs> you mean that this isn't entirely about her? I, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, and it's interesting. You know, we've seen Mercedes... Um, and Quinn be vocal about their religions, but it's interesting that Santana says, you know, I hope you're happy, Kurt. And he's like, you know, I'm having the week of my life, actually, when he's obviously off to the side and completely isolated on the other side of the choir room. But, I mean, of all the... I mean, Santana has the pokey one-liners anyway, but, you know, it's interesting. Santana never really has a say on it, so I kind of wonder where she's actually coming with saying that kind of thing. I think she just likes being mean. I mean, to be very- <laughs> I mean, it's, for as much as they're writing her at, at this point, I think that it's just giving her a point to be snarky and mean. That was, I mean, it was mean. Things, I mean. It is. I mean, you know, she likes to say things that get a rise. And mm-hmm. that's guaranteed to get a rise. Yes. I don't know. And I mean, I give Will some credit for telling them all to lay off Kurt, but at the same time, he can't, you know, I don't know, Will, you open this can of worms. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's another stunning moment in the amazing teaching canon of Will Schuster. <laughs> oh, okay. Lesson, lessons in academia from Will Schuster. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, okay, so then we go on to... Um, the Papa Can You Hear Me and Rachel Solo. And I, I'm not familiar with Yentl. I, I've never seen it. Um, but the song is kind of... Isn't it her singing to her dead father? It is indeed. Yeah. And, yeah, we got the very sad Kurt during it, looking through the window um, at them all praying for Bert. 
And I mean, I, I hate that the first thing that I notice in this scene isn't, you know, Rachel's beautiful voice or Kurt's pained expression or everybody violating um, what Kurt From capacity his his state. <laughs> it's it's the candle in the hospital room. Yeah. And all I have is this moment of who in their right mind would light a candle in a hospital room. <laughs> Oh, Especially for someone who just had a heart attack. Right! <laughs> I mean, and it's for the end of the scene when he blows it out, but I, it just... I don't know. And I feel bad that that's the first thing I notice, but every single time <laughs> I watch the scene, it's like, who in their right mind? And was there not a nurse walking by going, you cannot do that? Oh, how crazy. Okay. Um, yeah, so... But other than that... <laughs> yeah. Just to, you know, and Kurt, I feel like he's, he's going through stages of grief at this point, and he's hit anger big time here, because mm-hmm. he's just angry, and it must, I don't know, maybe a few days have gone by and whatnot. Probably. And uh, they're, and, and they're there, and Carol's there, this is the scene where Carol's finally here, right? Yeah. Um, and... You know, Carol's got her one line about, you know, and Carol, I love that Carol is really, along with, well, Sue still has her own interest a little bit, but she really does seem to get it the best. Like, here, we're all here to support you. You can't do this thing alone. And in some respects, he is self-isolating a little bit, because um, that's just a curt thing to do, but... Again, and my wish there was a scene... Although I understand why they didn't do it because they wanted to portray him as alone against the world. I would have loved to have seen a scene between Kurt and Carol. Because if anybody knows what Kurt is going through with the possible loss of a loved one, it's Carol. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I would have loved to have seen them connect as somebody who has gone through this and two people who both love Bert, regardless of whether Kurt wanted to accept that. Um, support or not, I would have mm-hmm. loved to have seen her attempt. Well, and it makes me wonder: would have Kurt opened up a little bit, or would he, he, you know, remained icy and cold? I, I, I wish I we just in general got more information on the Kurt and and Carol relationship. I think there's yeah an interesting thing there, and I, I feel like we I we just don't have enough scenes between them to really. Uh, have it explored, but in my mm-hmm. wonderland of scenes that I wish we could have seen, that may be at the top. Yeah. Um, yep. Well, like Kurt comes in, he's obviously very, very angry, and there is—I'm um, going to sound like a total nerd, but there's a fanfic called Always Here in the Silence, and I cannot pronounce the author's name, the Sumerians, I think, but... Oh, Sumerians? Probably. I'm terrible at pronouncing things. But, like, Blaine is in it, and he's in the scene, and he says something along the lines, like, there's no scientific proof about proximity affecting how effective a prayer is, so if you want to pray for Bert, maybe do it away from Kirk, because he's the one member of the family who's still conscious. You're obviously upsetting him. Like, fine, pray for him. Do it away away from Kurt, who you are obviously upsetting. And like, I I, it's just like, you know, he's asked you not to, you're upsetting him. Like, yes, I totally understand Carol's point about, like, they're being here for you, but, you know, maybe do it outside the room where, again, you should, probably shouldn't be that many people in the, hot- in the hospital room. 
and yeah. <laughs> away right. from Kurt, who is very obviously upset and is asking him probably repeatedly at this point, please don't do this. It is upsetting me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that's always bugged me about the scene is that, I mean, he stated that this is something that he doesn't want. And he's been very clear about that. And then these three classmates decide, well, I know better than you do, so I'm going to secretly go to your father's hospital room and do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I kind of think, not that you were trying to sound this way at all, but it does sound like they're a little more malicious than they, they are. I, I think, think it that is... they're malicious. I think that it's not thinking things through. Right, that. And their hearts are, you know, and you know, we can't, maybe they came in with Carol, too, but Carol went to go see them, and, and Kurt had, you know, so she's like, you know, go ahead and do this right now if you guys want to do it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the minute Kurt comes in and, you know, um, it's at that point, you know, respect his wishes at that point, you know. Mercedes is, and I think, again, Mercedes is a little confused and a little lost herself, and she's trying to help him the best way she she knows how, and she doesn't know how to talk to him at this point, so I can see how they're stumbling a little bit here, so. Yeah. Um, I like the moment when the the lady comes in, and he's like, well, dude, we could have prayed in Muslim. Finn <laughs> <laughs> is trying. <laughs> Yeah, I do like that. Finn does try. Throughout. I mean, I know he's got his whole grilled Jesus, you know, uh, stuff going on here, but... He tries. You know, yeah. his his heart is obviously in the right place, even if he was treating grilled Jesus as a genie. <laughs> <laughs> it really was kind of a three wishes, and one of them was, I'd like to touch Rachel's boobs. Um, yeah. But his his heart is in the right place. Yeah. And, I mean, they very they very easily could have come with Kind of how I see it happening is Rachel got it into her mind that she would like to sing something. Mercedes was like, we should go visit him. Rachel thinks that this is a wonderful opportunity to get a chance to finally get the solo that she couldn't sing at school. Quinn Mm -hmm. is going to come along because, you know, this sounds like a great idea and the power of prayer. And because Rachel is going... Finn gets dragged into it because Rachel says, well, Finn, you're going to go with me. So when Finn tells his mom that that's where they're going, Carol says, well, I'll drive you guys there. I was going to go anyway. And Mm -hmm. she doesn't know that, you know, there's been this whole Kurt's an atheist. He doesn't want to do this. There's been a fight between the factions because I don't see Finn opening up like that. Right. And so she's an unwilling accomplice. Yeah. But I do like what she says, too, that, you know, sometimes, you know, she recognizes in Kurt that he is kind of trying to do this alone. And she's like, you you have to, you know, don't feel like you can. We are all here for you. You know, you can rely on us, you know. And, and that's still something he's kind of, you know, he's still learning at this point. Mm-hmm. It's another one of those instances in the episode where everybody is kind of right. Um, yeah, and Carol is once again a voice of wisdom, and I love her. And there was never enough of her in the series for me, mm-hmm. because she is a delight, and Romy Ronsbonk is a don- is a delight. Yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. I mean, 
you you'd get two fantastic actors in one scene right there. So, um, yep. Oh. Right. Um, going on to I want to hold your hand, Kurt Solo, oh. and one of my favorite numbers. Just it is it is my favorite Kurt number. I think that he sounds amazing in it, and I've I've seen the episode who knows how many times. And I tear up every single time, and I know it's coming, and I can't stop it. I mean, it's just, oh, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous song. And, I'm, you know, one thing that struck out to me at this time, uh, just how close it, the camera is on his face during the whole thing. And you can see, like, all of the emotions going on. And uh, just, you know, kudos to Chris for, for being able to act that. <laughs> just kind of amazing. Also, kudos to the casting director who found a small Kurt. Oh, I know. Didn't they uh, use him again in Struck by Lightning to play a yes, young Kurt? Yes, they did. Yeah. Like, they did. hey, we found you a little mini Chris Colfer. Let's keep hold of him until he hits puberty. Yeah. Never let him go. <laughs> I mean, it's uncanny. <laughs> and I would have watched an entire episode of Bert and Baby Kurt. Yep. Oh, yeah. Same. Yes. I would have watched a series of just Kurt growing up. Uh, and then have a little yeah, AU where he meets little baby Blaine. And just watch uh, that. Oh. That would <laughs> have been adorable. Oh. But yeah, this, uh, this song, I think, is the best showcase for his voice. I think that there was so much emotion, and it's right smack dab in the middle of his range. And mm-hmm. it's beautiful and the filming of it was beautiful and the the flashbacks were gut-wrenching and it they they did nothing wrong with the song and I loved it. Oh yeah. There's there's a lot of things. I'm trying to decide, decide if I want to go to lyrics or go to the flashback first. Um talking about the flashback. Uh you know I love that it's set on a day where, obviously, you know, it's like, okay, Bert and Kurt bonding time, and they made a pact, so if we're going to do, you know, Bert saying, you know, we're going to go teach you how to ride a bike, and if I, you go learn ride a, to ride a bike, I'll do a tea party with you. <laughs> Probably also concession like, to you. let him put the streamers and the beads and everything on the bike. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going to ride a bike, I'm picking out the bike, I'm decorating the bike how I want. I'm making this the fanciest bike that I possibly can. Can you imagine bike shopping with Kurt? <laughs> and, like, I want this one, and we're going to do this, and I need beef, and I need ribbons, and I need a basket. And yeah. And Bert just kind of gives a little side eye, but lets him do it. I mean, for as... That's another thing that I really love about the series. I think that they did really well by burnt and I think for as much as having the masculine midwestern guys guy Bert Hummel he's so accepting of Kurt mm-hmm. and it's there's a lot of you do you and I mm. think that it that's another thing that I think was so very valuable that the show did to show um, you know parents who may be watching it there's a way to just to say you do you, and that's mm-hmm. Bert Hummel. Yeah. Bert Hummel, best I mean, TV dad ever. Oh, can we get oh, that yeah. on a mug or a banner, Skyrim, oh, something? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I love that Kurt is kind of dressed up even to do the bike stuff. I mean, he's got a little like he's got a bow tie, button up and a bow tie. Oh yeah, before Blake gets on, Kurt wears so many bow ties. It's yeah. kind of funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but he can pull them off, so it's okay. He can. Oh. 
and then Blaine pulled them off though. <laughs> and probably pulled them off. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why did I go? We're in the deep emotional thing, and then I go that way. Sorry. Yeah. What I was thinking. It's okay. <laughs> I love it. And you have to take a break from all this heavy emotional stuff around. Yes. Um, so yeah, and then we get the tea, I love the little tea party thing where Bert's like, okay, we're gonna have a tea and party. And corrects his pinky. <laughs> he's like, no, no, we've got to jut it out just so. And he's like, okay, yeah. As if it already uh, wasn't enough, out. like, sure. having a tea party, no, it has to be, like, the correct way. Uh, well, at least he didn't put a flip bonnet on Bert. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Flopsy, but you are not sitting correctly at the table. You do not slouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you wouldn't be. Oh gosh, let's just add that a little bit of sadness to it. Uh, how many times that like Kurt did like these tea parties, but he was all alone. So oh, God. don't do that to me. <laughs> well, there goes That's my just heart. Rude. There goes my heart. Mean, so mean. I know, but that's you know, and I can just see you know, Bert and Kurt's mom talking about it, and like, okay, well, they they, I'm sure they made an effort to spend, you know, quality time with Kurt all the time. I I don't know. That's just my head canon about the whole thing. I mean, I can, um, I completely agree with that again because Bert is the best TV dad. Oh yeah, he, he just is, and so that's the way that it is. <laughs> Oh, um, my heart. We get the shot of the funeral, and here's my thing. I don't know why I have I have nothing to back this up on, but I'm guessing this whole tea party, like, bike thing happened not long before his mother died. Mm. That was the impression that I got, too. Again, yep. nothing to back it up, but, but it is kind of the way that it's framed. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because, you know, it's the same actor at the same age, and it, mm. it's... It feels like it's supposed to be at the same age. Yeah. And so you have, you know, this kind of family bonding, and this is the, you know, happy family, and then punch to the gut. Yes. And when, you know, and that's, the, the, you know, more of the hand, you know, vignettes during the song, but, like, Bert reaching out his hand, and little Kurt taking it. And that's and the point where I start crying each time. Right there, and, and you know this song is about you know, essentially a guy wanting to hold a girl's hand, but the fact that they are able to change the meaning and you know I, it's like when I one of the lyrics, for example, when I touch you, I feel happy inside. It's such a feeling that my love I can't hide, and you know it says a lot about curse here. He doesn't reach out and hold people's hands very often. Um, Bert is one of the few people that genuinely he loves, and, you know, he can reach out and grab his hand. And, wow, this really puts in perspective the whole teenage dream stuff when Blaine is introduced, too. Oh, I God, never... I hadn't even thought about Action. that. Uh, <laughs> seriously? Oh, God, they held hands the first time. Why, how have I never thought about that before? Cue the slow just... motion run. No, yeah, I didn't. All while holding heart. hands in the most awkward way possible. Oh, I can't watch that scene. I can't. Oh my the, God, yeah, it is awkward. Let anybody hold his hand, and then he lets. How have I never thought about this before? And I know until just it. now. That's when it hit me. I was like, wait a minute. I think the only person on record he's ever held hands with, aside from Burton Blaine, is Brittany when they were fake dating. Oh, he's yeah. held Mercedes. Yeah, in like Mercedes, but you know, in a in more but in a different way, yeah. Fashion. Would, would oh yeah. Be. 
Like, even, I think, when he was dating Adam, did they ever hold hands other than when no. Adam... They were actually... The funny thing about Adam is they were, like, ten feet apart the whole time. Yeah. Like, the only time Adam really even touches Kurt, you can see Kurt kind of reacting negatively, like, no, don't touch me, we're not in that place yet, kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah I didn't watch those it episodes. Shows I can't how that. Is with <laughs> That's why I'm, like, so protective of Kurt's, like, trust. Issues. Like, his trust is such a fragile thing, and I'm just so protective yes. of it. Yeah, which means that it can be represented by holding hands. And yeah. Well, and it also ties in with the, you know, his idea of romanticism being, you know, it touches the fingertips and everything. There's wow, there's a lot of weight in this little uh, cheesy little beautiful song. <laughs> there is, and I don't understand how. Like I've never thought about this before, and I now have this bucket of feelings. <laughs> it's yep, wow. we're just gonna be all just crying by the end of this. <laughs> That is what the podcast is supposed to do. I'm successful. <laughs> but you got a warning. You cry. will need tissues for this podcast. <laughs> I will. I'll have to put a disclaimer at the front of it. Just wait till you get to like the last episodes. Oh, oh gosh. I still have to do the breakup episode. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's talk about something else before we alter. Uh, yep. Moving right. on. Even more heartbreak. Here we go. Oh, man. So sad so, Kurt has the most beautiful sad Kurt face. Oh, I know. Well, here's my thing. Like, up until this point, with the exception of when he first is at the hospital, Kurt is very, his icy, cold, his shield up, his are up. And here is really, it's a turning point in the story. He kind of finally starts to really feel all of that emotion outwardly. I mean, he's he breaks down crying at the end of this, and he's kind of a little more opened up and a little more vulnerable than he usually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he he lets he lets his friends in just a little bit, but he lets them in for the first time in the episode. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it, he at the beginning of the scene he talks about, um, you know, Mr. Shu, I want to uh, sing a song, and and this is kind of he doesn't want to necessarily talk about his feelings. Kurt doesn't like to do that, um, but he, he he can sing them, and that's a step forward. Like, okay, you guys can all listen. We're not going to have a conversation yet, but. We, yeah. you, you know, I start to express how I feel. And I feel for him, like, if if he's going to show that much emotion and be that vulnerable, he's, like, that'll be the safest place to do that. Is mm-hmm. yeah. with his people that, like, that truly accept him for who he is and that, like, are his people. And, yeah, he doesn't really have that with anybody else except for his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to hug him at the feeling. end of it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Or tell somebody in the Glee Club, go hug him. He needs a hug. <laughs> yes, this is the appropriate time to hug him. Yeah. He would probably allow it. <laughs> well, he probably would allow some of them. Like, earlier he, like, kind of shrugged off Will's hand. But if, like, Mercedes had gone in for a hug at this point, or maybe yeah. even Rachel or somebody, he would have accepted it. Yeah. Right. Someone go hug him. The poor boy is breaking. Then <laughs> oh. we're fucking yeah. of feelings. Alright, so we get kind of after this. I mean, I don't know if it's after Glee Club or whatnot, because Kurt's wearing the same clothing. Um, at least I think he is. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, the scene at the locker with Mercedes. And at this point, he's so resigned. He's just kind of, he looks just exhausted. And is emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. And, and Mercedes is like, you know very tentative in her approach. You can tell she's she's kind of scared to talk to him a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know. I think it's very um, interesting how kind of one of the last 
times we saw Mercedes and Kurt at the locker together was when he came out to her. Um, and then here again at this another big moment, they're at the locker mm-hmm. again. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That was just interesting to me. It's their place well, it, for very serious conversations. Yes, you know, naturally <laughs> in front of, you know, all the people in the hallway. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, Mercedes has always been kind of a dipping the toe in to the pool. Like, let's start with, you know, maybe him accepting to to go to church with her is kind of him saying, okay, maybe I can try and and let people help me and and see how this goes. And that's kind of the the way their friendship is. Yeah, like it doesn't have to help me specifically, but if it helps you help me, then I will be okay with it. I think it was his... He had a moment of, this is how you're, this is how you're trying to help me, yeah. and I appreciate you trying to help me, even if I think this is kind of ridiculous. <coughs> I appreciate the effort, and I get to wear a fabulous hat. Yes, of course. It and I kind of heard humble confession and less fashion was involved. Well, of course. I, I kind of love that, you know, usually if somebody says, hey, you get to wear a fashionable hat, he'd be all over it, and he kind of, ma- he's like. Uh, presenting a side of, how do I put this? It's not the way he usually is, but he's trying to mimic the way he usually yeah. is or something. Yeah. yeah, he's he's trying to make it sound like everything is okay, and that's something he would say if everything was okay, but he's exhausted, and so it just kind of sounds half-hearted and trying to get through it, but I'm I'm okay. I I will be okay, and I'll get to wear a fabulous hat, and that sounds great. The poor, the poor kid is just exhausted, and who can blame him? Mm-hmm. I um, it's interesting. He he kind of apologizes to her about you know being distant and whatnot, and this is the second time he's apologized to Mercedes. And I I don't think anybody else in his life gets apologies as much as like he's willing to give Mercedes apologies. Which is interesting. Yeah, kind of a side thing. But, That's very um, true. It's something to talk about the relationship because, you know, in this season, we kind of get the end of, I don't want to say end of Kurt Sadie's, but the end of their friendship being, you know, as close as it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and it's something interesting, like, because a lot of people are like, okay, well, they hate each other now or they aren't friends anymore or whatever. And I don't think that's true. I think what happens is that, you know, he and Mercedes have this friendship that's built on talking about celebrity gossip and fabulous hats and, you know, music. and But when it gets into some of these, you know, fundamental differences of, like, religion and whatnot, they're just different people. And sometimes friendships only extend so far. And I, I think that even though they always will have each other's backs, and you, throughout the rest of the series we see that they are very good friends, here you've got this kind of parting of the way where, like, okay, there is a boundary a little bit yeah. to this friendship. Yeah, I completely agree because, like, even in my personal experience, I know that you have those friendships that are, like, you're very, very close with someone, but they're not the person that you go to when you have to talk about something that's extremely personal and extremely deep, um, but there's someone that you could have a great time with and that you feel very close um, And then there's other people that you go to and you talk about, like, the deep issues. Um, and then, you know, and that's, you know, there's just different types of friendships. I mean, I definitely think that there's some of that going on, but I also kind of fall on the side of they were a victim of 
the writers getting interested in something newer and shinier. Oh well, yes, that oh, yeah. of course. Of I mean, course. I, I, we're I trying can, to put I can rationalize it. it as much as I want, but yeah. but their friendship was a victim of. Well, wouldn't it be more interesting if Kurt and Rachel were rivals? Right. But then rivals who became besties, even though they have nothing in common other than wanting to be the best. Yes. And well, and I, yeah, I have my own issues yeah. with the whole Helm and Barry relationship, so I won't jump really into it. But yeah, I would <laughs> much rather have watched more Crusades than Helm and Barry throughout the years. And, Just, and the writers have a, have a problem of showing more than one friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I agree. Well, and I think um, it's. Um, Kurt being elevated to already in this, you know, this is his first really, really big, I mean, he had the season one arcs, but then there's this one, which is really a showcase for Kurt and for Chris, and um, you know, Mercedes unfortunately remains a minor character, so then it's like, okay, let's pair him with Rachel, we'll give him a love interest, you know, and he gets starts to get all these other storylines, which unfortunately unfortunately leaves Mercedes in the dust, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, but yeah, sometimes it's kind of fun to try and rationalize it within the text, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. the writers knew what to do with Mercedes, honestly. No. Just, no. They just didn't just know what to do with her, which is a shame for both the fans and for Amber herself. And I know yeah. I know that I've said this in in a previous podcast, but they unfortunately lucked out with a large number of very talented and very interesting characters and they yes. never knew what to do with the massive cast that they ended up with and so right. they, they just kept adding people and adding people and adding people and they would write you know one interesting side scene for one character and then all of a sudden it's like well this person is very engaging well crap we've got to do something with that and it spiraled out of control, and so it they never really knew how to handle the interesting number of characters that they ended up with. So, so many of them ended up getting short shrift. Yeah, and unfortunately, Mercedes is one of those people. So, unfortunately. Um, and, yeah, and I think in general, I, I don't know if... Yeah. Glee definitely had characters that it, it seemed like it, the, the writers felt like they had more comfortable time writing, mm-hmm. and I don't think Mercedes was one of them. I agree. Which is a shame because Amber Riley has a powerhouse voice. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, her, her voice can make you feel things. Ugh. So, all right. Well, moving on to Finn solo of um, losing my religion. Also, one of my favorite Finn numbers. This song, this episode has number. so many of my favorite songs. It's just he does fun. really well on this one. Yeah. Um, Corey Monteith is so good for being a 30-something-year-old guy playing a 17-year-old. Yes, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I find it weird that he and um, Matt Morrison are the same age. Yes! I was like, I, that doesn't Close make to, sense. Yeah. That doesn't compute. <laughs> I know, because he's, he's able to play that kind of, that young, confused, what is going on, this world is crazy type of teenage-ness. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, and so it's interesting that there's a shot of Kurt in the library where he's kind of off and he's just breaking down. He's got a book in his lap and he's not even trying to. And it's a little sad because people are just kind of like walking around and he's just, you know, sitting there. It would have been so interesting for an episode to follow 
a non-Glee character. Oh, that's a fantastic idea. Just to see what they thought about these crazy people who would break into song randomly in the hallway. And they're like, I'm just trying to get the band class. (laughs) I I don't understand what is going on. Bonus points if it had somebody in the band also (laughs) reacting. And I'm sorry, who has a a random harpist that just shows up? There was a harpist in this episode. (laughs) Was there? Yeah. Oh, I noticed that. There was a harpist. That's funny. I mean, kudos, kudos to the band. <laughs> they are always prepared. And always just sitting right off camera. <laughs> and, that, that, and that and Brad, who seem to always know how to play the song. Always. <laughs> With no notice as to what the song was going to be. No, yeah. Oh, Brad. <laughs> oh, Brad. <laughs> um... Yeah, so during the song, when they get into the choir room, you guys can answer this for me, because this is one time I'm not entirely sure how to interpret it, but yeah, Kurt's, uh, you know, obviously thinking about, you know, if in singing the song about, to him, meaning losing his idea of spirituality, but I can't really read what he's thinking. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of a holdover from the Mercedes at the locker. I think he is just exhausted. I I think yeah. that everything is just so much and it's kind of a numbness. I mean, I if I was in his shoes, he's holding it a lot better <laughs> together a lot better than I would. That's true. <laughs> um I also wonder if there's some kind of commentary there on, you know, Kurt watching Finn go from yay Jesus to I don't know what my spirituality is anymore if I even have it. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Finn's arc in this episode is really interesting because he states in the first scene where he's praying to grilled Jesus, and I love that as a phrase that I get to say so often in this podcast, (laughs) that he never went to church and it was, you know, not his thing. So he went from nothing to praise grilled Jesus, to I'm not sure what's going on, and I feel like it's a very relatable arc to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that they let him do it, and I love that it ended open-endedly. You know, yeah. there there's no easy answer, um, mm-hmm. and I and I really like that Emma did not try to give him an easy answer. Yeah, you know, this is that's why the big questions are big. Mm. Because if it was easy, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. (laughs) All right, so uh, we get into um, the church scene. Um, I love that there is a lady across the way who is wearing the same hat as Kurt. And I Um, love that she just kind of smiles knowingly at him, like, yeah, that's a good choice. Mercedes Church is so nice. I I love all these. These people are just so friendly, (laughs) and I love that. Uh, Did you guys notice as he came in, he uh, crossed himself? Yeah. yeah, and I was just like wondering, did they tell Chris to do that, or are they implying that oh, her family totally used to be thing. religious, or is that just like an automatic thing for Chris? Because I think he did grow up in a somewhat religious. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked he to me to like he was grandmother, so I don't like know. he was trying to do what he assumed people did in church, and since mm. it doesn't, since he does not seem to be familiar with that. He would just, well, I've seen people cross themselves in movies, so obviously in all churches you cross yourself, so I'm going to do that and I'll fit in. 
Yeah, I was just wondering if that um, was like a character choice or an automatic thing, or I don't know. I just found it really interesting. Yeah, I don't know, but it is it is an interesting kind of funny little moment there. Um, you know, Mercedes' speech is 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 lovely. My one tiny little thing is that she mentions to her entire church that Kurt's an atheist, and and yeah. I guess just my initial reaction of being somebody who's been an atheist who's gone to church. Um, in a small town with a friend of mine, I I, I don't know if I'd be as feel as safe with that. But Mercedes Church seems really awesome and, and much friendlier than any of the, the churches that I went to as a kid. So um, yeah, when she did that, I was like, no, honey, no. <laughs> see, like they took it very very well, but I was just like, see, no. That, honey. that didn't shock me as much because you know it it sounds like something that would have been said in that sort of situation and their reactions seems seem very real to me because you know you have this kid who's troubled and this is an opportunity if she's in an evangelical setting this is an opportunity to witness to this kid mm-hmm. and so i mean we're we're going to show him the light we're going to show him the light of jesus and we're going to do it through this amazing song and I, it's not bad. it did it did not strike me as odd um oh, that's from from previous experience well and that's good and and i do like that they i mean there is a a tendency to sometimes go the opposite like let's you know take from this like they're trying to shove christianity and i don't think lee is doing that at all but i also like they are showing christianity in a positive light too as well as all of the other you know spiritual uh, commentary in this and um just that more so that it's not necessarily what specifically you're believing in but that you know you're you're trying to help each other out and you're trying to reach out even if it is in an only a, in a way that you know how yeah um but that you know other people and other religions can help you out mm-hmm. it's one of the best things about this episode is that everybody has the moments where their beliefs are validated mm-hmm. um and I, th- I think that they did that very well with this episode which is not a given uh on this type of subject matter mm-hmm. especially not on a show likely <laughs> Love them, but they don't always have the best track record of. Yeah, yeah. Of treating yeah. everything with uh, with the same. As sensitively. Yeah. As sensitively is a good word. I, I do think they they went into this one much more sensitively than than other things that they've done. Um, but yeah, and and then Kurt kind of you know he kind of accepts it too. He he kind of lets them sing to him and and he doesn't seem to be he's not as closed off as he was earlier in the episode so I think you know he's having this moment of this is your love language to tell me that you care about me Mm -hmm. I'm I'm accepting that this is how you're telling me that you care about me and I'm, I'm down with it I'm going to wear my fabulous hat and this nice lady's holding my hand next to me and yeah I like when you say everybody's Christ chic yes oh Kurt oh he he did at least sound more like his old self uh, in this yeah. scene than he did uh, for the past couple of scenes yeah mm-hmm. alright and then we get oh sorry go ahead no I just said I agree sorry oh. um so then we get into the, the last hospital scene, and, you know, this is uh, Chris Colfer's Emmy role right here, um, or real, but, um, yeah, I mean, the story about 
where he gets it. He gets that fri- what Friday night dinners mean. Everything comes full circle. That you know, he figures out comic- what's sacred to him. Yeah, and what's sacred is his dad. Mm. And I may tear up again. Ugh. It's just I I love the the story that he tells though about. It's kind of one of those things where you know here's the, the, the his mom has passed and. Um, they're trying to just, you know, go through life, and they get this with chicken or turkey or whatever chicken. it was, and it's, it's oh. still frozen, and, and they, I, I can see, they just kind of both kind of crack up laughing, because they just don't know what they're doing, <laughs> but it's one of those moments, you know, you, when you, you go through all this heavy stuff, and you get this, like, lighter moment, and you feel like, okay, you can start to breathe again, and maybe things will be okay, and, well, we, you know, we've all had those moments where we're really, you know, whether it was the death of a family member or a friend or uh, some other sort of traumatic event. And and I know that smell from hurt. You've, you've spent a lot of time sad and upset and you have that first moment where you laugh and you forget that you were supposed to be sad. And that's kind of the point where you can start to start the healing process. And and I, I love that that's the story that he told. And of course, mm-hmm, of yeah. course, you would laugh over a chicken that ends up frozen while you're trying to do something very normal. Mm-hmm. And I really like that he says, you know, I I don't believe in God, but I believe in you. And you know, he believes in it. So he do, it's not like he's going through life, you know. Murder Stacy says something earlier on that you know you try and believe in something because it's not necessarily about believing in a god or believing in a religion or even spirituality, but just having this kind of foundation of something to hold on to in life. And I like that they presented that as the answer. You know, it wasn't many, many scenes between it, but it was the answer to, you know, how can you, you have to believe in something. And Kurt's answer is, well, I, I believe in my dad. I believe in my family. I believe in us. And I love that that's presented as an acceptable and a good answer to that Mm -hmm. sort of question. You know, you're, and I think, what you believe in doesn't have to be a spiritual power. It can be those around you. Mm-hmm. Kurt probably um, hasn't had yeah. a lot of other things to believe in other than his father and that constant reassuring presence in his life. So mm-hmm. like, if he's going to believe in something, yeah, it's going to be Bert. It's going to be that sense of family and love that he gets from Bert. Because Bert yeah, has always been there. Best, yeah. yeah. And Bert has accepted him for everything that he's thrown at him. Yeah. Oh, thank God they did not kill Bert Hummel off. I would have rioted and quit. And and that's one of the things that I was remembering about this episode, because when it first aired, I wasn't sure that they weren't going to kill him off. And you have this moment of, you know, it's just a guest star. Boy, do they like having Kurt cry they may kill him off by the end of this. And I remember being very, very nervous for the entire episode going, he may not survive. Yeah. And being very, very relieved when he did. Yeah. I, I felt that way definitely in season four when they gave him cancer. Oh. And I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, Oh, well, this is it. <laughs> Jeez. You know, what more can they throw at this kid? And I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that I don't really like following the actors like I don't I don't really care what you do outside of the show mm-hmm. but when they gave Burt cancer it was like if there is anything that can tell me whether he's you know sticking with the show or whether he's like I'm moving on to something else so that I can be prepared for if they're gonna kill him yeah <laughs> that was it mm-hmm. yeah 
You know, and I like one thing, you know, because in a lot of shows, especially that involve teens, you get family drama all the time. And this just, it feels different. It feels like here's a family that really is connected, but not in an overly cheesy full house way. Not to, you know, I love full house, but, you know, it's, you know, something that's a little bit realer and a little bit, you know, flaw ridden. And but you can tell that the bond between Kurt and Bert is always just always there throughout the series and, and so strong and I love that you know they have this sense of family during the entire series I, I just love the theme that, that Glee holds on to with that well and the type of drama that they gave them between their between Kurt and Bert wasn't like oh we're so mean to each other but we truly do love each other it's like no I mean they're kind to each other they're supportive of each other this is very reminiscent of how I view my family and so this mm-hmm. is something that feels very real to me and for some reason is not something that you see on TV a lot no. quite often it's kind of the the modern family dynamic which is funny um, but when you have people who are you know constantly doing things to each other or getting into disagreements or having that sort of petty drama um, between them they never they never really did that with Bert and Kurt and it was something new and something that I love. And I think it's part of what makes that relationship so enduring and endearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You you know, like even if you know, like Kurt is there breaking along, like I believe in you, you have to kind of gather that the thing we don't know Bert's uh, spirituality, but you know, he probably does believe in, Kurt and he's willing to do anything for him up to sacrificing like from last from season one like sacrificing the relationship with Carol to make sure that Kurt had a safe home where he wasn't getting you know harassed Mm -hmm. by the person who would eventually become his brother which was Mm -hmm. one of my favorite Bert scenes but you kind of get that sense that it's kind of a reciprocal thing that if Bert believes in anything he believes in Kurt yeah yeah I mean we kind of see a, a slight uh, reversal of this when Kurt's in the hospital bed yeah. um, in season five, and 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 there, I mean, I love that Bert gets angry, but he's still like, you you know, you are my son, you know, I'm annoyed that you know, pissed off that you did this, but at the same time, you know, come on, we're like you know, here for each other. This is this is what we do. So, yeah, I kind of it would be one of those things I wish you know we forever have like a million flash forwards and whatnot but to have to see Kurt and you know as adults and, and having Grandpa Bert you know do things and stuff like that and you know, I don't know oh god that would be adorable Grandpa Imagine. Bert would be the, like the best thing yeah <laughs> Grandpa Bert you know the little granddaughter I can see it so. <laughs> oh Bert I just have so, so many humble feels Oh, <laughs> uh, we're all going to need a big group hug when this is on. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we get the holding hand imagery again, and when you know Bert starts to wiggle his fingers, and it's interesting. I mean, it's it, it done intentionally stuff with the writing, but like you know, here Curtis finally found an anchor and something to believe in, and that's when Bert comes back to him. Um, so it's kind of like a test for Bert here. Yeah. Trying to make his way through this. Yeah. Uh, again, yet another moment in this episode where I teared up. And, and again, like right before I know that, what's he happen. was. 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. No, like, right before that, he was, like, buttoning up Bert's gown, so he was, like, even while Bert's unconscious, he's still looking after him. Mm-hmm. Which carries through from the beginning of the episode right to the end. Like, I'm still going to look after you, even if you're not consciously awake and aware that I'm doing it. But I feel mm-hmm. responsible. I feel like I have to do this. Still has to be in control, even when he's breaking down, saying, like, you know, I believe in you. And I think, you know, in uh, going back a little bit, just that idea of Kurt and control and how he kind of lets go when he accepts Mercedes um, ex- um, um, uh, invitation to go to church with her. He's he's slowly, a little bit, I mean, Kurt never really lets go of control, but, like, uh, lets other people help him out. And, again, something that he has to learn, and, and he, he does a little bit in this, you know, that... I'm just rambling again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's, de- it's definitely the type of episode where you can ramble and go on because it's nothing but a bucket of feelings. Mm-hmm. And you end up with Kurt's beautiful crying face. Mm. Boy, they liked making that kid cry. I know. <laughs> Sometimes it was to a fault, but, you know. <laughs> Which, I mean, it does, it does kind of lead in the fact that we didn't really see him happy until Wayne shows up. Yeah, that's, I mean, in kind of connecting it to the first, I mean, we end season one kind of on a higher note, but season two, the first two episodes, we were talking in that other podcast that he is very angry and very isolated and, and just definitely going through stuff that the other kids may, you know, they have their own stuff going on, but He's kind of going through something different, and this whole storyline is going to continue into duets and um, just get even more upsetting in some respects too. And um, yeah, so Blaine arriving ends up being this just breath of fresh air, really. So many feelings at the beginning of the season. So many feelings. It's good television. It is good television. and and so we end it with uh, What If God Was One of Us, which is a song that I've always really enjoyed. Um, and they're also pretty in their white, you know, clothing. It is. It's a precious number. And they let Tina sing. They did. <laughs> Yay. She didn't get but cut Tina's off. Really episode, so. <laughs> no, I, I really, I love that song. Um, and I love the way that they staged it for the end of the episode and I even liked the very not even looking at each other will and Sue uh, mm-hmm. aside at the end of it I thought that it was a very fitting into the episode mm-hmm. and and interestingly after all of this it's, it's a hopeful one too I mean we don't get Bert's death we get him you know coming out of his coma and I don't know, it's kind of like they're all holding hands at the end with each other, like leaning on each other and going back to that theme of relying on each other for things. Yeah. And jumping back a little, like, it has nothing to do with Kurt at all, but, like, the the scene between Sue and her sister, like, all of my favorite scenes of Sue are, like, probably in this season, but when she's with her sister, Mm it's just the best, and, like, her kind of saying, like, do you want me to pray for you? And Sue's like, yes. I'd like that. And you kind of see her not go, like, she's not saying, like, oh, yes, I believe or anything like that. But, yes, I would welcome it if you pray for me. Mm-hmm. Having that discussion of faith kind of, like, parallel mm-hmm. to Finn's 
going from I believe to I'm not sure what I believe. Sue doesn't really change her viewpoint, but she's kind of grown a bit more accepting, less angry, kind of calmed down. And I thought that was yep. just so well done. But it, well, I loved Sue and her sister. And well, it kind of felt like for so much of her life, Sue was angry for both her and her sister. So she was kind. Of, she was carrying two people's worth of anger. And that discussion with her sister, and her sister's basically like, you know, well, God doesn't make mistakes. I don't view myself as a mistake. You, I think it kind of releases her from that anger. Mm-hmm. You know, she do, she doesn't have to carry it for both of them. You know, her sister doesn't feel like she was missing out on anything. She doesn't have to be angry on her behalf. Sue mm-hmm. can let that go, and that I, I feel like that was such a uh, weight off of her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also kind of like that, like Kurt, Sue can find that foundation within family too, I think, um, which is another reason why, I mean, Sue's hard because sometimes she literally is a cartoon, but yes. um, when her sister dies later on, she was oh, heartbreaking. That yeah. foundation. So. But no, that I yeah, all of Sue's scenes with her sister are, are very moving and Plus, like, yeah. Jane Lynch and the actress who's played her sister, they had wonderful chemistry together. Like, you could feel that familial bond between them. Like, you believed they they were sisters or they were at least very good friends outside of the, the set. It felt like they had known each other for decades. Yeah. It was just so touching. Like, and, yeah, when, when they killed her sister off, I was just, like, in tears. It's like, no, yep. why would you do that? Oh, yep. man, the beginning of season two is so heavy. Because I'm, like, thinking about duets I gotta do next, and it just... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I kind of feel like each podcast needs a moment of levity. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you, we have to end it with, you know, a happy... <coughs> because there are we, so we can many end it with that... hard moments in this season. Uh, that image of, you know... I don't know. I mean, we... That it's going to go into good places. I mean, again, we can sum up the episode with thin praise to grilled cheeses. (laughs) And that's it. I think that's... I mean, I've heard... I read commentary that sometimes people think that this um, episode is unbalanced, and I'm like, no, I think you need Finn somewhat comedic and ridiculous. Oh, I mean, that it really is. But, the you know. episode would almost be intolerable if you didn't have the breaks of Finn treating the sandwich as if it's a genie. Because, I mean, his he really does keep asking for genie-like wishes. I wish that we would win the first football game. Which, admittedly, mm-hmm. he does do for Artie. I think that would mean a lot to Artie. His second one is, I'd really like to touch Rachel's boobs. Um, which I love that he asks a sandwich to give him the power to touch her boobs. Isn't this also when he says something about even though there's not much there yes. or something like that? There's still boobs. <laughs> you know, it's it's girl boobs. I'm really excited about them. <laughs> and then asking to be quarterback. I mean, I, I, as much as I love the Kurt parts of it, I do love the Finn praying to grilled Jesus. <laughs> Well, and, and like we were saying at the beginning, this it's such a, I mean, there's only really two, and Sue's is just a tiny thread through it, storylines in this episode, but at the same time, they, they're very, 
well connected and and they kind of intertwine with each other a bit and I think the whole thing really fits together pretty well. It's the best written yeah. episode that they have in the series. I mean, it's it's a real standout. Are you really really excluding the Spanish teacher in that? I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, that you is that is such off. a moment of of cinematic glory. <laughs> I often wonder how we could ever lead a fulfilling life without having that in my life. <laughs> um, I guess we can like kind of end on the thought or of uh, you know, this I want to hold your hand imagery and then that, you know, Kurt gets to hold a boy's hand later on. He so. does. It's so close. Hold on, Kurt. It's coming. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up. Unless you guys have any other commentary, feel free to... Is there something that we didn't touch on? Or? No, it's just... It's my favorite episode. I think it's the best the best written episode. I think that Chris yeah. Cooper is amazing in it. I think that all of the all of them are amazing in it. I and it, again, I think that Cory Monteith did a wonderful job being the naive teenage boy seeing Jesus in a sandwich. Yes, um, and like, so kudos to all of them. Yeah, and like I said, this episode changed my life. So I mean, I really can't even go any further than that. <laughs> it doesn't get much better it. than that. Yep. All right, well, thank you guys so much for joining me on this podcast. Um, it's been heavy, but uh, very insightful and, and, and a good conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having oh. us. Yeah. Well, thank you. Will be suspicious. Your lips look delicious. My brother will be there at the door. Waves upon the tropical shore. My name is Oh, I want some more. Oh, what are you waiting for? Take a bite of my heart tonight. Whether life disabilities let you out past bullet or seas, rejoice and love yourself today. Cause baby, you were born this no. way. So raise your glass if you are wrong. In all the For this moment to arrive This could be the end of everything Someone only go Somewhere only